Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is Rick Schisler, your host for the Weekly Business Hour. I'm a Silver Fox advisor and also the founder of OneBestConsult.com. Well, welcome back. Uh, we're beginning a new year here on the show. We've been off for a few weeks for the holidays, and I hope that you and your family enjoyed a great holiday and your business did as well. Uh, want to first thank our sponsor, OneBestConsult.com. Uh, as I mentioned, I'm the founder of that organization. Basically, it revolves around a website. That's one. That's the number one, BestConsult.com. I encourage you to visit the site today. We have a community of like-minded small business people. There's information there, connection with all the work that we do with the show, the blog, and other things. And I encourage you to join our community because what we really offer is common sense business advice. And I think sometimes there's a lack of that in the business world. So if you want to join others who are looking for common sense business advice, go to one, the number one, bestconsult.com. I also want to remind you, if you use Facebook, this show is being broadcast live on Facebook right now. Just go to the Weekly Business Hour page and click the button, and you can watch and listen to us on Facebook Live. Also, remind you that during the show, if you have a question, a comment about the show, and even after the show, please email me at onebestconsult at gmail.com. I want to hear your comments. I want to help you. If you've got a question about your business, even, I have people that send those to me, and I appreciate the opportunity to respond to them. So without further ado, as they say across the great waters, sit back, grab your pad and pencil, and get ready to take notes as we talk about everything business right here on the Weekly Business Hour. Well, we're going to start a new conversation today, a new soup-to-nuts conversation. Uh, We've got a wonderful guest in the studio joining us, and we're going to talk about sales. Uh, Mark Miller is an individual that I like to call Mr. Sales because he's been selling and teaching people how to sell, organizing sales groups, sales management training, everything sales for 20-plus years. Mark, I don't want to age you, but it's been a long, long time. Mark Miller, welcome to the show. Thanks, Rick. And you don't have to do anything to age me. Everybody can tell when they see me. (laughs) Well, I understand that. And uh, we're all reaching that point where it shows a little bit here or there. Well, Mark, we're going to talk about everything sales. I think we uh, entitled your group. talk about nothing happens until someone sells something for today's session, a great place to talk about sales. And we're going to follow up in uh, next week and the following week and kind of try to give people uh, a package, if you will, that they can run with, they can listen to a podcast and really get reinvigorated, hopefully, about developing their sales organization, whatever that looks like. So let's kick it off and start. Uh, where does it all start? I mean, selling uh, has a bad reputation in general. Yeah, it- really does. The, uh, the, the term salesperson, though, if, uh, if you had a child and you sent them to college and they turned out to be a salesperson, most folks would be disappointed in their, they weren't an engineer, they weren't a teacher, they were a salesperson. So if, if you think about it, if you were trying to get somebody to say salesperson, you might have words come out like liar, slick, fast-talking, used car, all those sorts of things. So it it has a bad rep to begin with. I mean, even me, when I was growing up, my dad was a salesperson, and he told me, look, Mark, if you continue to talk back to your mom, get bad grades, come home late, you're going to grow up to be a salesperson just like me. (laughs) And I did. (laughs) So I think we got to get that out of our minds because nobody's really like that. And I think as we go through the program in the next 
three sessions that we'll find out that selling is kind of fun. And actually, it's a service. It's needed. And if you have a business, the truth is that nothing happens until someone sells something. Yeah, and that's absolutely true. As I put the title on uh, for my own purposes before I saw your outline, I said uh, it all starts with sales. And there's no doubt uh, every business, regardless of how great your idea is or your product, uh, it's got to start with a sale. And you obviously believe that, you teach that, and it's very important that people understand that. Well, let's get rolling. Let's talk about the foundation. Yeah, businesses kind of come in two flavors. With you know, Small businesses start with uh, someone that's either a really good salesperson, they can, they're the guy that can sell ice cream to Eskimos. They have what I call a, a non-reproducible sales style. They're just good at it naturally. And then other businesses are started with someone who has a really, really good idea. They, they make the best widgets. Um, they have the fastest whatever it is. And, and their belief is that because it's so good, and by the way, it's theirs, that people ought to buy it just on its face. And if they don't, they really don't understand the world. Right? So it, in, those, in those situations that somewhere the person that starts it's going to come down to a, a really, you know, sort of pathway where they're going to have to hire their first salesperson. Because the guy that's the really good salesman has to make the decision of, am I going to run my business or am I going to continue to sell it? And the, the person that is has the really good idea has realized that all of his friends and you know, co-workers and who are family have already bought his stuff. And if he's going to get any bigger, he's going to have to really go out and market his product or service. And and that's when things get really hairy. Right? Well, you know, it's it's interesting kind of double back on that a little bit. Uh, as you say, a, a lot of times the person that starts the business, the one that has the idea of the product or whatnot, is a good salesperson. But sometimes they aren't necessarily a good salesperson. I mean, the old uh, example of the professor, the, the mad professor, I, I always like to call professors mad. They're not really mad. But anyway, they come up with a great idea, a great product. It makes sense. Uh, but they're not salespeople. They're inventors. Uh, what do those kind of people do? I mean, they, they can't sell to begin with or they aren't trained to sell. Yeah, and, and, the, and the third part of that is that they, they see no value in selling because, again, their mindset is they've made the best thing, everybody ought to buy it anyway, and I'm really wasting money to market this or have a person actually go sell it for me because they're going to buy it anyway. Not true, of course, but that's sort of the thought. And we got to get those individuals past the fact that, yeah, okay, fine, you have good stuff, but if you really want to make some money, you're going to have to get people to go sell it for you. And whatever you pay them is well, well worth it. So the idea really is that if I, depending on where I have a vision for my business, personally, I'm very big on vision with my clients about where do you see the business going? Mm -hmm. If you really, really want to sell your products and build a business, you've got to either sell it yourself when you start, or you've got to bring somebody on board who is good at it and who can work with you to sell that product. You have a choice, kind of an A or B, isn't it? It really is. It's A or B. You know, it's it's kind of go big or go home because you know the the sad part is if if the inventor person as you call them doesn't make that decision, they they don't survive. Right, and that's not where we want to take no. anybody. No, that's right. Well, let's talk about uh, selling and and the idea is uh, is is selling a gift. I mean, what what is selling all about? Because I personally have always looked for people that are really good at what they do. It's just something, and I have met. And, and been blessed to meet people like yourself that are really gifted as salespeople. Uh, but is it a gift? Is it something we can train people? I mean, where's the bottom line on all this? Uh, no, it's not a gift. 
uh, for everyone. You know, there are folks who have the gift, and they they do have a non-reproducible sales style, and you know that's maybe one percent of all the people that sell. the The rest of us um, have have to learn somewhat. The problem is, it's it's kind of learned through what I call tribal knowledge. You know, old Charlie, old Joe, old Sue, who's been with the company or has been selling for a long time, passes down whatever knowledge they have to. Uh, to the next salesperson. And that's really a bad way to do it because you learn old Charlie, old Joe's bad habits, right? Uh, so yeah, you can learn it and it, it just takes a little discipline. And it's not that hard because really interacting with, with people is the foundation of sales. So if you like folks, and even if you don't like them, you can learn to talk to them by using some very simple steps that we'll get to, I think, in session three. So no, it's not a gift. You don't have to have the gift of gab, and it's frankly better that you don't because, you know, good salespeople listen twice as much as they talk. Well, and I think there's the key, and, and one of the things uh, is that the reality is all of us have to sell at some point in our life, some very bare minimum, even if we really don't enjoy being around people a lot. So we've got something in us that we sell ourselves. But this listening thing, boy, <laughs> that is so powerful. I mean, how many seminars, how many books are out there, which to me says people aren't listening to the fact they need to listen more than they talk? Yeah, and it, it's so obvious, you know, the old saying is God gave you two ears and one mouth, but, you know, folks seem to ignore that fact. And listening is just a matter of sitting on your hands and, you know, as Zig Ziglar used to, used to print T-shirts that said, shut up and listen. So it's, 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 that, it's that easy. Just listen. And the thing, Rick, also these days we find is, is nobody gets any nurturing from their environment. You know, I grew up in the 50s. Everybody had dinner together. You know, we talked about the day. Shoot, if a family has dinner together once a week this, this time, they've, they've really done something well. So even the salesperson coming in, if they listen to your, your, your fears, your thoughts, your hopes, your dreams, just for a little while, then you have an automatic in, and folks will let you come back again so they can tell you more about their fear, hope, and dream. So all you got to do is get it out of them. You know, that's an interesting comment. So what I, I think you're saying, and I want to make sure I understand, because I think this is really powerful. Basically, our society has gotten to a place where people don't have the interpersonal relationships, like you mentioned, the family, because right. I grew up like that as well. Right. And I haven't really thought of it in the sense that that makes the job of the salesperson somewhat, I don't want to use the word easier, uh, but a more, uh, a better opportunity. The fact that if you'll listen, people are look, they're looking for people to listen, I guess is the way to say it. Exactly. And, you know, yeah, of course, there's the internet. If you just want to, you know, go do that, that's fine too. And, you know, people do that. But there will always be a salesperson. There will always be an interaction because people can't express the emotion behind the sale online. You know, when you, even when you go and buy a light bulb online, are you buying it because it's dark in your house? You'll pay anything for it if you can get a light bulb right away. And you can figure that out if you're, if you're talking to folks and listening to what their hopes and fears are. That's pretty amazing. So really where we need some training or if we need improvement, if we do, as someone who's, say, a quote-unquote newer salesperson, is the art of listening. Exactly. Very, Very interesting. Yep. Very interesting. So let's talk about some things that uh, 
you know, the idea that what we do with a prospect when we find them. I mean, what do we do? We've got a prospect in front of us on the phone. Uh, we've gotten an email. I mean, there's a hundred different ways to be introduced to a prospect. What do we do? Well, you know, you know, prospects are the beginning stage, and they come in all sizes, shapes, and flavors. And our job is to sort them out. And you know, it, it's sort of some some will, some won't. So what? Who's next? You know. So we got to kind of get through that. And it depends on who the prospect is. If it's someone you've never met any before, it's a, you know what you might call a cold call. The the facts are that about 0.5 to 2 percent of those people will ever buy anything from you. And what a lot of people make the mistake of is because someone's quote unquote interested that they ought to be able to sell them their stuff. Well, it's not true. Okay. First of all, nobody likes to be sold. They love to buy, but they don't like to be sold. And second of all, they may not be a fit for you. So the, the, if something is a 0.5 to 2% chance of something good happening, that means it's a 99.5 to 98% of something bad happening when you're saying no. So frankly, if they say yes, you ought to be a little surprised. So you're going to have to weed them through your funnel of questions and make sure that they fit the category of the ideal prospect for you. And if they don't, let them go and start again. Because you, salespeople spend a lot of time, a lot, a lot of time chasing people who will never buy from them. Wouldn't it be better to find the people that will buy and listen to them? <laughs> it's, it's much easier and it's, it's better for your business. Well, ladies and gentlemen, believe it or not, we've come to the first break of our show. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to continue to visit with Mark Miller, uh, Mr. Sales, about selling and, and a little bit more of what's in somebody's mind when they're trying to sell and understanding uh, some of the things we've talked about earlier. So please stay with us. We'll be right back with you. Community Radio is looking for those who are interested in hosting their own talk show. With monthly and weekly slots available on Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, and on IRLoneStar.com. Start your own podcast, create your first YouTube channel, and be on TV. Contact Lone Star Community Radio online at IRLoneStar.com or call the station message line at 936 936- Six four seven three seven seven six. From the beginning, the main purpose of the Cooperative Extension Service has been to change human behavior by teaching people how to apply the results of scientific research. By utilizing a holistic, multi-level approach, Extension Family and Community Health Programs encourage health and well-being for everyone, addressing values, concerns, and needs with reliable science-based information. Extension programs help people lead healthier lives. We are Texas A&M AgriLife Extension, helping Texans make their lives better. For those of you who like your partners, your gumbo, and your music salty, well, we're here to help with the music. Julian Shea here, host of Lone Star Country Nights Thursday, your weekly dose of roots and Americana and all the music that makes this part of the country special. We stir in western swing, honky-tonk, Zydeco, Texas blues, outlaw country, and put a pinch of red dirt, and then we smoke it over a slow fire. Then listen to the results Thursday nights on Conroe's 104.5 and 106.1 and worldwide at IRLoneStar.com. You are listening to the Weekly Business Hour, and this is Rick Schisler. 
I'm your host. I'm a Silver Fox advisor and the founder of OneBestConsult.com. And we're in the midst of a soup to nuts conversation with Mr. Mark Miller, a man I like to call Mr. Sales. We're talking about some of the psychology in selling and deciding you as a business owner, how you're going to handle your sales. One of the most critical foundational questions you can answer when you start a business. Well, Mark, when we went to the break, we were talking a little bit about what's inside somebody's head about listening. And uh, it sounds like listening has become a really great, great tool. Always been a good tool, but with today's society and people aren't interacting very much, we're all out there desperately looking for somebody to listen to us. And I would agree with that. I thought about it during the break. I said, yeah, that's, I like to go out and talk a lot. I've got to find these listeners, which sometimes it's hard to find. Uh, you know, in today's world, everybody's wired up. That's true. And, you know, I find myself when I, when I listen and I just keep people talking, you know, with simple prompts, they tell me things I really don't want to know. You know, so uh, it's it's that sort of a situation, and uh, you know you got to you got to sort through that too, because you know you get off on the tangent of something that's really personal, and, and you you know it's the water that you don't want to get into, but it, it just means you're doing a good job. Right? Yeah, and you have a chance to build a relationship in exactly. selling, right? It's all about building a relationship at some level, yeah. and I agree with you. The the TMI, as they like to call it, that I'm guilty of doing that. Right. But also, I hear a lot of it as well. That's, that's, that's right. And it can be pretty scary at points, but you know you're doing a good job. You're, you're bonding, you know, and that's, you know, the rule is people buy from people they like, and they like people like themselves. So, yeah. you know, you got to kind of mold yourself into the situation that you're in. And if, if you like that sort of thing, it can be a lot of fun. So, Well, you build confidence, you build trust, and I think that's wonderful. And like you say, it's I treat it as a game sometimes. It's, I'm just, I, I really enjoy that, uh, trying to help somebody at the same time. I can see them developing, relationship developing. It's a lot of fun, like you said. And, and, you, and you just hit on a very important point. Um, you know, people think that the selling activity is about them. You know, that, you know, the old Carly Simon song, if anybody even remembers who she is, was you're so vain, you probably think this sales call is about you. It's not. It's not about you. It has nothing to do with your self-worth as a human being. You know, you're the same good old Rick or Mark that you were when you walked in. There's only one of you, you know, and you're as good as it gets. So this this is not about you. The selling is, is not about you. It's a matter of making connection. Either you do or you don't. You have the product or service that folks need or want to solve the particular problem that they have, and they don't always. It just doesn't always fit. So if you're if you carry your heart on your sleeve, this is a really bad profession. And if you do that, you need to find a little pocket to put it in. It's just, you know, when you, you can do that in your normal life if you want, but when you're selling, you, you, it can't be about you. Psychologists call that being I-centered, meaning I am the center of the universe and uh, the world sort of spins around me. And uh, I, I think we all know someone who's probably the king or queen of being I-centered and you, you can say their name just like that. And where people tend to, to make the transition to being, instead of self-centered, they become prospect-centered or their companion-centered or their colleague-centered so that the, the, the prospect becomes the center of the universe rather than them. And that way, that fulfills that I need that the prospect has. That's when you start making money. And the, and the way you do that is to for, start putting some emotion into the cell. Um, you know, most companies develop a, a list of features and benefits. Um, you know, 
time with Emerson Electric, big company, our sales meetings, you know, we would go for weeks. And they would, the product managers would come out with a list of each product's, you know, features and benefits, features and benefits, features and benefits. And for a week, we got pounded in with features and benefits, features and benefits. And it's, it's sort of like that business guy that starts, that has the really good idea. You know, it's so good. There's so many features and benefits for our products or services. If, if our prospects don't buy them, they're just stupid. You know, they just, they don't belong on the earth. We should laser them off and move on. And the features and benefits of a product or service are actually about the business. They're not about the prospect. They could give a rip about them, to be frank. And it, if, in fact, you, you were a purchasing person and you had people that were selling you office furniture, internet supplies, uh, maintenance contracts, it would all be some version of, hey, we've been in business a long time, we have a good reputation. You know, no one says I have a bad reputation. You know, we have a good reputation. We have quality service. You can call us anytime. You know, well, fine. Nobody's there to answer the phone, but you can call them. Um, <laughs> you know, there's, there's all those things, and they, they all sound the same. If, and if you've worked for more than one company, if you really think about it, the features and benefits become universal. Easy to use. Our button's bigger to push than their button, or uh, our buttons light up, or you know, it's just, so does everyone else's. There's something about their button that's just as good as yours. Well, you make an excellent point, and I think uh, one takeaway I have on that, and and send a message to our small business listeners. Really? Mark's talking about Emerson Electric, huge multi-billion-dollar company, and they're making some of these mistakes. So the fact that you're a small company, you the owner, maybe a handful of employees, maybe one or two salespeople, whatever, there's a lot of hope because you can take the things we're talking about today and going to talk about the next couple uh, 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 shows, and you can build a sales force as powerful easily as any large company around you. So keep that in mind. The big companies aren't paying attention in some cases. Some do, some don't. But everybody needs to pay attention to the listening and some of the other things we're going to talk about. Yeah, and, you know, to, in the interest of full disclosure, I made a lot of money doing it that way, you know, and so you can be successful doing it that way. It's just a lot harder. And, you know, as, as I've gotten older, I would rather be as successful with, while working as hard and work a little smarter. And if you can, you can make that transition, I, I began to make it um, because, you know, I'm a chemist by training. I sold chemical analyzers. I had everything but the Ph.D. in chemistry, and I would tell people how to do stuff when I got there. And that lasted about six months, and I hadn't sold anything. And it, it occurred to me that if I started asking them questions and have them tell me what I already knew, that might be a better thing to do. <laughs> and it was, and then that launched off these successful careers. But uh, a lot of folks don't learn that lesson. Yeah, and I, and I find hope in that, yeah. an opportunity <laughs> for our listeners and anybody. Right. So and I, I think if there's somebody sitting out there going, oh, my gosh, it's a new year. What am I going to do? You know, last year wasn't so good. This is the time to make the change. You know, take it from being about you and your business to being about the prospect and their concerns. And you will see it's not hard to do. And you'll see the results almost immediately. So let's let's talk about that. Um, you know, we, we, we have to get away from features and benefits, and now we have to figure out why folks might buy someone's product or service. When I go in to consult with companies, the first question I ask them is, why do they buy your stuff? And, and you know, Rick, the truth is no one knows. They, they'll say something like, uh, oh, that's because we have good service. Well, you know, what else? <laughs> okay, because everybody has some sort of good service. 
Uh, we've been in business a long time. We have a good reputation. Mm. Maybe. I don't think so, but maybe. The truth is that there's some deep-down emotion, whether you're selling air conditioner repairs, office furniture, um, chemical analyzers, there's some personal emotion that you're satisfying, right? And you've got to figure out what that is. And so we get, we get people to say, hey, I deal with people who worried about their business. It didn't do so well last year, and they need, they need to do something different. Or I deal with people who are, who, are, who are scared because their business did so well last year, they're not sure they know what to do. Both of those things happen every year. Um, my phone rings the most between Christmas and New Year's. You know, I don't get a lot of inbound calls because selling is like driving. Everybody always thinks they know how, and you've been on 45, so, you know, that's not true. So I get the most calls there because someone is sitting and looking at numbers saying, oh, my goodness, this is awful. You know, the economy is really good, but I'm not doing so good. Or someone else is looking at the numbers and saying, wow, we had a record year. Well, how am I going to keep that up for next year? Or what do I do with it? How do I put those revenues to work? Do I buy a competitor? Do I expand my business? You know, all those things come through. So the, the driving two emotions here are both fear. Fear of not doing well and then fear of doing too well. So that's what you have to find is what are they afraid of maybe? That might be it. Or what are they worried about? Because worried fear, all small business people have some level of worry and fear. And if they tell you they don't, you haven't found the right question to ask. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's no doubt about that. I mean, as you say, in small business, uh, a lot of us that have been in small business, we feel like we go to sleep at night. We dream about our concerns uh, or we don't, don't go, go to sleep, sleep. right? Yeah. Um, and so there's always a level of fear there. And, I, you know, whether it's the competition or what's going to happen with taxes or, I mean, the list goes on because it's our business. That's right. We got the whole thing to be responsible for. Yeah. And it's our baby. And business owners, let me just tell you, nobody loves your baby more than you, whether it's your child or your business. So if you expect your employees to work, you know, 24-7 and worry about your business like you, they're not going to. That doesn't make them bad employees. You just have to encourage them and find out what they're afraid of so that they will. Well, it all makes a lot of sense. You know, Mark, we're about to run out of time. I've got about 30 seconds left today. Can you kind of close up this session? And most importantly, tell us about what we're going to talk about next time. Okay. I think what we learned today is you got to take yourself out of the center, put your prospect in the middle, hunt for the emotion that you're satisfying. And there are, there are lots of those, and maybe we can start with that and recap that next time. But next week, we're going to learn about managing a sales team. Uh, most people don't understand salespeople. They, uh, they have no idea how to manage them. Uh, their directive is they put them on and say, hey, you look good in your uh, sport coat or your whatever the female equivalent of the sport code is, I don't know, but you, you look good, you talk good, now go sell something. And, you know, that's, that's the recipe for success, for, for success, for disaster. So let's see if we could make it success by learning how to manage a sales team. Yeah, and I want to make sure people understand a sales team is if you have one salesperson, you've got a team. That's right. So it's good to learn these things in the beginning as you build your business so you can build that great sales team that will lead because revenue leads a company. Well, Mark, I appreciate you coming in today. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you'll stick around for the second half of the show. Uh, first, we're going to recap today's show and conversation with Mark uh, and talk about start building your sales structure. And then I'm going to talk about in our Did You Know segment, does a new year really make a difference for your business? And then finally, my one best consult tip of the week, how can I find or how can I avoid hiring 
the wrong mentor for me and my business. So please stick around. We'll be right back with you after a few commercials, and we'll be seeing you on the downside. Lone Star Community Radio is looking for those who are interested in hosting their own talk show. With monthly and weekly slots available on Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, and on IRLoneStar.com. Start your own podcast, create your first YouTube channel, and be on TV. Contact Lone Star Community Radio online at IRLoneStar.com or call the station message line at 936 647 3776. The Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service has been dedicated to educating Texans for over a century. In 1915, the Extension Program was established under the federal Smith-Lever Act to deliver university knowledge and agricultural research findings directly to the people. Ever since, AgriLife Extension Programs have addressed the emerging issues of the day, serving diverse populations across the state. Texans turn to Extension for solutions in horticulture, agriculture, 4-H and youth, and family and consumer sciences. Extension agents respond not only with answers, but also with resources and services that result in significant returns on investment to boost the economy. Join us Fridays at 1 o'clock for the AgriLife Extension Hour. Did you know there are more than 790 abused and neglected children currently in foster care in Montgomery County? Will you help make a difference? I'm Allie Stevens with Costa Child Advocates of Montgomery County. We train and support volunteers to be the voice of children in the foster care system. Kids are moved from their home because of abuse and neglect, and we need volunteers just like you to advocate for these children. To learn more about becoming an advocate, please visit costaspeaksforkids.com. That's costaspeaksforkids.com. Listen in Mondays at noon to hear Conroe news from local nonprofits, businesses, upcoming events, Conroe Park events, news stories, and information that matters to you with your host, Margie Taylor of Taylorized PR. For more information about being a guest, visit IRLoneStar.com slash Conroe Culture. business hour and we're at the bottom of the hour of this week's hour well that was a lot of hours wasn't it welcome back uh reminder that you can find a podcast don't forget if you're a new listener to the show there's a podcast of every show recording it appears on wednesday each week following the show it's posted in a variety of places on the one best consult website here on the irlonestar.com website under the weekly business hour page facebook youtube all under the weekly business hour and a number of other social media sites. So if you missed part of the first part of the show or if you want to re-listen, feel free to listen to our podcast. And again, I want to thank our show sponsor, OneBestConsult.com, where you can find common sense business advice. I encourage you to visit our website. One, that's the number one, BestConsult.com. Well, let's talk about a little bit what we heard today about sales. Uh, the first thing, and I, I guess I mentioned it, and it's something I get kind of passionate and excited about, is it doesn't matter where you are in development of your sales structure. Uh, it is a very straightforward, and I hesitate to use the word simple, but it is a very straightforward proposition on building your sales and your sales force, whether the sales force is you as the business owner 
or you've hired your first salesperson, or you're on your fifth or 10th salesperson, and you even have a sales manager. These are straightforward, discipline type of structures to be built. And anyone, and you heard Mark Miller, our guest, talk about working at Emerson Electric and how they didn't even get some of the things. They being the big multi-billion dollar corporation, they were teaching you know, benefits and features to their sales force, taking a week and putting a bunch of salespeople. I'm sure the cost of that in a room and teaching them all about the product and telling them, more importantly, to sell that kind of benefits and feature approach. And that really is not the easiest way. As Mark says, it'll work. But the easiest way is one thing, simple. Listen to your prospect. You know, listening today takes place in a lot of different ways. On the internet, you look for comments. Uh, to me, that's one of the biggest things you can do on your website if you're selling on the web or you're just using it as a referral location to your business is to elicit or solicit, excuse me, solicit comments from people. I mean, to me, to get a comment from an individual about this show, about how, what we're doing, have a question about the show, that's worth its weight and goal. Because I want to hear what people are thinking about what we're doing. And if we need to adjust, then we adjust. But comments are so important. So I think it's important that you're out there listening. And when you get in front of a prospect, whether it's over the phone, in person, uh, or even in an email, it's all about listening to what their needs are. It's not about you. And if anybody's still standing out there that thinks selling's all about you, um, good luck. Because selling, like everything else, is getting more and more competitive. Uh, there's no doubt the web is a competitor. And people are buying, just going on and placing orders. Yes, the, the content, the text of the website has to sell them. We all should be familiar with the rules of that road as far as how to build a website, what kind of information to provide, and so on and so forth. But the idea is that when I get a chance to talk to a prospect, particularly, I need to be prepared. I need to know what to do. And again, it's not that difficult. I've had clients that I've worked with over the past years, people who've started businesses, small businesses, had a handful of employees, primarily geared to the administration and also the building or delivery of their product or service. And they themselves were the primary salesperson. They were also the customer service person, uh, which is a, another story for another day. But they themselves not necessarily had a sales background. And some of my clients worked real hard to understand and get into that sales state of mind, if you will. And they were so much more successful in developing revenue than the ones, generally speaking, who didn't take the time or make any effort to become sales-minded and to gear themselves. And so my encouragement to you is based on my experience, as well as listening to people like Mark Miller over the years and reading about sales. It's straightforward. It's fairly simple in that it's not a complicated process. And it's one that, as Mark said in the beginning of his comments, uh, is anyone can learn how to be a salesperson. Doesn't mean that, you, you, that you're going to be the greatest salesperson because some people just seem to sort of have that knack. I've met several of them in my life. But the reality is that we can sell and increase our, sale, our revenue and our business if we put our mind to it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a really short break this time. And I'm going to come back and in our Did You Know segment that I like to do each week, I'm going to talk about does a new year really make a difference to your business. So please stay with us. We'll be right back with you. Did you know that there are over 153 million orphans in the world today? The sad reality is 99% of those kids will likely never be adopted. Core Love is an organization right here in Conroe that takes care of orphan children in Haiti, Honduras, and India. We bring the love of Jesus by providing their six basic needs of clean water, proper food, health care, 
education, job skills, and a loving home. Visit corelove.org. That's C-O-R-E-L-U-V.org. Will you help defend the orphan? Don't miss Lone Star Community Radio on TV and YouTube. Our talk show and music shows are featured on Our City TV, Suddenlink Channel 12, and have their own YouTube channel. Make sure to subscribe to keep up with posted shows and comment on them below the video. Does volunteering at a nonprofit horse sanctuary sound wonderful? Or are you a veteran or a veteran spouse and think trying a peer group session through a local Horses and Heroes equine program might be worth trying? Henry's Home Horse and Human Sanctuary, located in Grand Central Park by appointment only, is home to a growing number of rescued and donated horses. Visit our website at henryshomehorsesanctuary.org or check out our Facebook at Henry's Home Horse and Human Sanctuary for more information. Hey, Montgomery County and online listeners. Thank you so very much for checking out Jazzy Vibes with Soul. What? You haven't done so yet? Well, you've got to tune in. Hi, I am the host of Jazzy Vibes with Soul, Miss C.C. Holmes, and I invite you to check us out every Friday and Saturday from 7 until 9 p.m., where you will get the best in old-school R&B, and of course, a little smooth jazz to make it jazzy. So tune in. That's right, tune in. Every Friday and Saturday, right here on Conroe's 104.5 and 106.1 FM or worldwide at IRLongStar.com. You are listening to the Weekly Business Hour, and again, this is Rick Schisler, your host. I want to thank you for listening to the show, and we're at our point where we do our Did You Know segment. Did you know, does a new year really make a difference to your business? I want to ask you to ask yourself that question just for a moment here. Does a new year really make a difference to your business? Now, you say, okay, what's he talking about today? Well, we've, we've started a new year. We're in January 2019. And a lot of businesses, a lot of individuals, they make uh, resolutions, they start anew, uh, they generate some excitement in their business, talk about a new year, uh, because typically it's a new year accounting-wise, uh, so the business sort of starts over, revenues for last year have been booked, uh, so we're starting out, uh, we set our new revenue levels, hopefully we did a budget, and the question I'm really asking you is, does this really make a difference in your business? And I think what I'm really getting at is not in your particular business, the, the product or service you sell, but do you try to make a difference with the new year? And what I'm doing is kind of circling back on my concept, one of the concepts I teach my clients and I'm a big believer in, and that's celebration, celebration of the business. And so that's the first thing I want to touch on real quickly. Celebrate the new year. I encourage you to do that. Make a difference in the new year. Celebrate it with your people. All your people, whether it be administrative, production, service, or your salespeople, celebrate, hey, we had a, a good year last year, whatever it is, and let's talk about this year. Encourage them. And it's not just a soapbox speech, but you might even throw a little party, uh, whatever. After hours, it can be something simple. Everybody shares a soft drink. Doesn't have to be a hard beverage. Whatever. But celebrate and let people know, one, you appreciate them. Let your employees, and you may do that every day, and that's cool because we should do that. But let them know you appreciate the hard work they did last year because the reality is a lot of individuals, the vast majority of individuals, look at the new year as an opportunity as an individual 
to kind of start over, to kind of have a clean slate. So why not buy into that feeling and talk about that in regard to your business? We're going to have a great year this year. That kind of expression, I think, goes a long, long way. And again, as I talk about when I talk about celebration, let's spill over some way, somehow, to clients, customers, and vendors. Find a way to do it. Find a way to thank your clients, customers, and vendors for the business last year and thank them that they will be with you in the coming year. All kinds of ways to do that. Second thing I want to talk on real quickly is, have you made any changes the first of the year? A lot of businesses change things at the beginning of the year. Uh, They use that as a point. Be sure if you've made changes in your business, and it could be raise prices. I mean, that used to be a common thing, not so common anymore, but price increases always were the first of the year. You may have changed a process or procedure. If you've done those kind of things, be sure you've communicated them well to everyone involved. So that means your employees, that means your customers typically, your vendors, whoever's affected by those changes. Make sure they know that there's been a change, the reason for the change, and hopefully it's always for improvement of that relationship with the business, whether it's a change with employees or change with a vendor or change with a customer. It has to be couched in a way, hopefully, that it's an improvement for the business. Now, I recognize occasionally things interfere with our business, and I use that word interference in a very broad sense. Taxes from the government, for an example, go up, so we have to make a change in our business. Sometimes with health insurance, over the last 20, 30 years, um, we have to reduce a benefit. We have to make a change. Put a little spin on it. Be sure you communicate it. Try to get that buy-in that you need, even if it's something that carries a little bit of a negative connotation. And finally, is your business, ask yourself, is your business caught in a repeat cycle? Okay? New year done, over-repeat. New year done, over-repeat. In other words, you just keep going year to year, head down, grinding. Sales are going up. Companies growing. Maybe the sales aren't going up. But you're just repeating the same old, may I say, mistakes or the same old routine. Don't let that become your business. Even though your products may be fairly generic, uh, your customers look to you because you're always there. You deliver on time. Uh, the qualities there, all these things. You do answer the phone when they have a question. But the reality is don't get caught in the repeat, repeat, repeat cycle, as I call it. Make sure your business is out in front of your competition by telling people, hey, the new year is a new year and a new opportunity to build a better, stronger relationship with your clients. We're going to take our final break of the the day. And when we come back, I'm going to offer you my one best consult tip of the week entitled, How Can I Avoid Hiring the Wrong Mentor for Me and My Business? I believe every business needs a mentor. Every business owner needs a mentor, advisor. So I'll offer you some points about how to avoid hiring the wrong mentor. Please stay with us and we'll be right back with you. Center Southeast Texas is a federally qualified health center. We accept Medicare, Medicaid, and most major private insurances. For our self-pay patients, we have a sliding scale discount program available. Our health centers have qualified providers and staff striving every day to provide the best quality of care to our patients. Services offered are family medicine, behavioral health services, telepsychiatry, and pediatrics. We have four area locations. Look at the Health Center Southeast Texas online at hcset.com. 
Don't forget to download the Lone Star Community Radio app from your Google Play or Apple Store. Bring Montgomery County's Community Radio with you anywhere with your smartphone or tablet. If you are in the Conroe area, tune in on FM. That's Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1. If you are on the computer, bookmark IRLoneStar.com as your internet radio station. A Lone Star Community Radio. Broadcasting 24-7 from the heart of downtown Conroe, Texas. The Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service has been dedicated to educating Texans for over a century. In 1915, the Extension Program was established under the federal Smith-Lever Act to deliver university knowledge and agricultural research findings directly to the people. Ever since, AgriLife Extension programs have addressed the emerging issues of the day, serving diverse populations across the state. Texans turn to Extension for solutions in horticulture, agriculture, 4-H and youth, and family and consumer sciences. Extension agents respond not only with answers, but also with resources and services that result in significant returns on investment to boost the economy. Join us Fridays at 1 o'clock for the AgriLife Extension Hour. You're listening to the Weekly Business Hour, and this is Rick Schussler, your host. This is the part of the show where I like to offer my tip of the week, one best consult tip of the week. And before we get to that, I want to remind you that you too, as a business person, particularly if you're here in the Montgomery County area, can be a sponsor of the Weekly Business Hour. It's a very simple process. All you need to do is drop me an email at rick at irlonestar.com. That's rick at irlonestar.com. Or you can send it to my one best consult at gmail.com. And I will get you some information. I would appreciate the opportunity to represent your business on the air, make you part of the show. So if you feel your business could use a little punch, then please reach out to us. We're a great place to advertise. Very, very cost effective. Well, how can I not make the wrong decision when I engage a mentor for myself and for my business? Uh, I wrote a blog recently about this topic in general. Uh, because I was motivated by an article I came across in my reading, uh, which was entitled uh, 10 Reasons to Avoid Executive Leadership Coaches Like the Plague. Uh, And again, executive leadership coaches, coaches, mentors, these words kind of get intermingled. They are different, but the concepts, the concepts are very similar in some ways. And I read this article and it was interesting. The individual wrote it, Chris Purse, uh, it appeared in Forbes back on December 22nd of last year, uh, is an executive coach. So he was basically saying, okay, these are the pitfalls. These are the mistakes. And I started thinking about that. And as you know, if you've listened to this show at all, or you've read any of my blogs or any of the other things I write, uh, or the tips, the video tips I offer from time to time, I talk about mentorship and that's really what I do day to day. I mentor or advise small businesses. Uh, I work directly with the small business owner or owners, Uh, sometimes with their employees, and get a real sense of the importance or the value of a mentor. That on top of the fact that as I went through my career and owned the businesses that I was fortunate enough to own during my life to build and later sell, that I always had a mentor, sometimes two or three mentors, depending on what field I was in, sometimes industry-specific, but generally having someone that I could bounce ideas off. Because there's no doubt that owning your own business, oftentimes you can get kind of lonely. 
it's kind of like being signal single in life, in your personal life, and padding around in a 5,000-square-foot house at night, and there's nobody there but you and maybe a dog or a cat, uh, it gets lonely. But more than that, a mentor is somebody that you can take you what you consider your best ideas or your best challenges, most difficult challenges, and you can talk to them about it. And they can help you exercise through it and, most importantly, help you make better decisions, which means you have a better opportunity to grow your business. But I want to talk about some things I mentioned in my blog and the fact that what you need to avoid are a couple of things that really stuck out to me real quick. First of all, there are a lot of folks out there, and I'm not trying to be critical of individuals, but they hold themselves out as coaches. Over the years, there have been a number of franchises developed, and they take any individual with any kind of background. A lot of these individuals that sign up for these programs worked in management of a company, typically a larger company, but they've never really owned a business. They've never really, to any extent, or multiple businesses. In other words, their life's experiences are different than what I think you need to be an effective mentor for a small business owner. A lot of times as well, they operate out of what I call a notebook, and that's my way to generally say, well, they've been given a program, taught a program, and these programs can be really good by the franchise uh, uh, owner, and they follow these programs. And literally, a lot of them carry around a notebook, first meeting, second meeting, all of it's pre-programmed out. I just don't believe that a person, it's, uh, it's the most effective way for a mentor to operate, particularly on a small business owner's basis, to feel that everybody's going to fit the same slot that's in that notebook. In fact, I think it's just the opposite. And I've had that feedback come from people who later became my clients who worked with people who worked out of a notebook. Again, well-meaning. I'm not trying to say anything diabolical. In other words, that these folks are trying to scam you. That's the farthest thing from my mind. But I don't feel it's the most effective approach when you look for a mentor to find someone who's working out of a notebook. I think the key thing, as I said, is to find somebody with the experiences that are going to be similar to the kind of experiences either you're having or had or you think you will have in the future in building your business. And that's being an owner of that business, building the business, hiring the right people, developing a sales force, as we talked about earlier in the show today, managing cash flow, on and on and on, the list of things that we do as small business owners. And I think it's important to try to find someone who can support you in those areas. The other thing is that a lot of times I have found that uh, coaches, uh, even mentors, advisors, again, whatever label you put on them, will say, well, I'm here to improve your performance. And they come up, uh, develop some benchmarks with you perhaps, and say, well, sales should increase 5% or more a year in your industry because all kinds of statistics are out there available. And they go down this little checklist and call it performance goals, metrics, uh, so on and so forth. It sounds really cool. Uh, well, I'm going to increase your sales to this. And so the whole spotlight of their effort, their whole effort is focused on improving performance to get you to or to exceed these metrics. And I think that kind of misses the target. I mean, the idea that I'm going to spend all my effort and time working with somebody that supposedly is going to help me find a target uh, of performance, that is neat. I mean, we want to be able to say at the end of the year, we increase sales 5%. Uh, we reduced turnover. We reduced uh, 
we increased inventory turnover, we reduced, we increased accounts receivable turnover, all kinds of metrics are out there. But the reality is that performance for performance sake is not going to put your business in the winter circle. Yes, it might increase and help you grow the business, but we need to identify, we need to go behind those performance metrics and find out what our real issues are that are preventing us from improving our performance. In other words, it's kind of like digging deeper, very simply said, digging deeper into your business instead of just keeping that focus on those numbers. Did you hit your numbers this month? And what I want to know is what did you find that's holding you back in this area? What were the challenges there? Uh, Is it a systems problem? Is it an employee problem? Is it a process issue? Uh, Is it that we're just in the wrong place? We're not really providing the market what it wants, a sales issue. I mean, there are all kinds of issues that can be affecting your performance, and I suggest you dig in and find them out. If you'd like to talk about this subject a little further with me, please reach out to me. You can reach out to me at One Best Consult, and I encourage you to contact me. Just send me an email at onebestconsult at gmail.com. Don't need to put a name to it. Just one, the number one, bestconsult.com. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're at the end of today's show. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you've heard at least one idea that you can put into action, hopefully today or down the road, and I hope that you will continue to listen. Mark Miller will be back with us next week. Uh, We'll be in the second show and how to develop your sales structure and talk a little bit about sales management. Again, look for the podcast of today's show, the Weekly Business Hour page out there on IRLoneStar.com, social media, as well as One Best Consult. And I want to thank you for joining us. And remember to stay in touch with what's happening in Montgomery County right here on Lone Star Community Radio. And until next week, stay engaged and keep the focus on what counts in your business. Thanks.